enforcement methods. On top of this, Governor DeSantis is forming the so-called Integrity Committee to oversee the medical establishments. The Florida Surgeon General, a prominent critic of vaccine safety, will oversee and further recommend. DeSantis hates vaccines because he's invested in Regeneron.
Kama, can you please bring up Governor DeSantis has requested that the Florida Supreme Court convene a grand jury to, quote, investigate crimes and wrongs in Florida related to the COVID-19 vaccines and further recommend enforcement methods. On top of this, Governor DeSantis is... Rep Raskin. Where's my ice cream? Got my ice cream. Fluffer. Let's see, mushroom, eggplant.
Congress recommends Trump be charged with multiple crimes. Ha ha ha. What a burn, what a cut. Stick your finger up your butt, asshole. It's about damn time. Right. Get back to the news, Trista. <clears throat> forming the so-called Public Health Integrity Committee to oversee the medical establishment. The Florida Surgeon General, a prominent critic of vaccine safety, will oversee this new Orwellian super committee. These actions are transparently designed to falsely suggest that coronavirus vaccines and not the coronavirus itself are dangerous. But these vaccines have saved millions of lives, yet some public officials are continuing to promote distrust, dangerous misinformation, and conspiracy theory. This is Jamie Raskin showing why no Republicans want to get into his crosshairs. Now, there is a lot wrong here with what Ron DeSantis is doing. But this is what it looks like when Republicans take their COVID conspiracies to their illogical conclusion. That somehow, the real issue here isn't the pandemic or the policies that allowed it to spread uninhibited, but rather the vaccine to prevent the pandemic. If you were wondering what brain worms look like as policy, you just got it. Now, I'm not going to...
Blame Trump. Yeah, remember when nurses were wearing garbage bags? Get too deep into the COVID stuff because it's not worth entertaining <clears throat> a circus that even they know is complete bullshit. But I can say this. Let's take one month, March of 2022. The death rate for someone who's unvaccinated compared to someone who's vaccinated and boosted is 17 times higher. 17. So let's not pretend here that the COVID vaccine is in any way, shape or form on any planet more dangerous than the virus that it protects against. Now, in terms of the Orwellian committee referenced by Jamie Raskin, this is what he was talking about. Here's Ron DeSantis and his quack Surgeon General discussing not only some bogus claim that mRNA vaccines are dangerous, but also the creation of a foil to the existing CDC. Ah! Pilot. Ah. It's not what I am. It's who I am. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, streaming December 22nd on Paramount+. Plus. My transition from the Army was rough. My life was just a wreck. I was an alcoholic. So we are initiating a program here in Florida where we will be studying the incidence in surveillance of myocarditis within a few weeks of COVID-19 vaccination with people who died. <laughs> This is going to be a surveillance. Study using working with some of our medical examiners in Florida. We're also going to be working with the University of Florida. So there will be a component that has more of a research, a research form to it. But we will answer this question. It is a question that I'm sure keeps the CEOs of Pfizer and Moderna up late at night, hoping no one ever looks, but we're going to look here in Florida. Uh, I think you've continued to see people uh, in these bureaucracies and in this establishment behave in ways uh, that have totally squandered any type of confidence or goodwill that people would have. And our CDC at this point, anything they put out, you just assume at this point uh, that it's not worth the paper that it's printed on. And so it's not serving a useful function. It's really serving to advance narratives rather than do evidence-based medicine. And so in Florida, the Surgeon General actually has the ability uh, to convene uh, panels of experts to do uh, so various things. And so we thought it was important, particularly me talking with other governors, to say, okay, because CDC will say these things, and then people will think, well, because they're saying it, then we have to do it. And maybe not quite as much anymore because people have lost confidence, but you still see it. We had to fight it with the masking in the schools because the, the, the school districts were citing CDC as the reason why they wanted to do it. We had to come and overrule that. Uh, but it was difficult because they were being put as an authority and some people were, were doing that. So other governors and I have talked about the need uh, to have uh, a panel of experts who can counteract 
nonsense when it's coming out of these institutions that are not going to just go along with the flow and follow pre-cooked narratives, but will actually do evidence-based analysis. And so uh, in Florida, uh, we're creating uh, what we're calling the Public Health Integrity Committee. It's a committee of expert researchers that will uh, be able to assess uh, recommendations and guidance uh, related to public health and healthcare, but particularly being able uh, to offer critical assessments of things that uh, uh, bureaucracies like the FDA, CDC, and NIH um, are doing. Uh, we know that there's been a lot of uh, faith destroyed um, in public health, uh, and I think that it's important that uh, we have folks who people actually can rely on when they're looking to answers and when they're looking for guidance on some of these really, really important issues. Yes, because what the CDC needed to increase trust in that institution was making it more Florida. Because nothing would make you trust medicine more knowing that the only people who had a say in regulating it were handpicked right out of the panhandle. What could possibly go wrong? And by the way, if you were wondering whether DeSantis was playing both sides of the coin here, you'd be right. Because here was Ron before it became politically salient on the right to be anti-vax. So my message is the vaccines protect you, get vaccinated, and then live your life as if you're protected. Funny how things change the moment the political winds blow in a different direction. It's almost like, and I hope you're sitting down for this, Ron DeSantis doesn't stand for anything other than being a political hack. And all of this nonsense aside, let's talk for a moment about why Ron DeSantis and these Republicans are doing this. It's because they view this as a potent culture war issue. And remember, the only way that Republicans survive politically is through culture wars. And so especially after what amounted to a brutal midterm cycle for them, Republicans down in Florida took a long look at the issues that they felt would resonate the most. And what they landed on for the moment was relitigating the efficacy of vaccines. It was an issue that had, had virtually complete polarization along party lines. And so because everything comes down to politics for them, not human life, not health, not safety, but politics, this is how they're choosing to misuse their citizens' tax dollars with a useless anti-CDC doing a special Florida science that will somehow show that a vaccine with a survival rate 17 times higher than those who don't take the vaccine is bad for you. How they plan on doing that is beyond me, but when it comes to finding people with enough lack of integrity and qualifications, it looks like this is just the group to do it. And consider too, this is effectively a microcosm of what nationwide Republican leadership would look like. After all, Ron DeSantis is one of the leading Republicans for the party's nomination in 2024, meaning you're looking at pseudoscience and sham investigations that fly in the face of objective reality. That's what you get with Republican leadership. Compare that with what Democrats have done in just the last two years, from climate funding to lower prescription drug costs, to gun safety reforms, to infrastructure spending, to a manufacturing boom, to reshoring hundreds of thousands of jobs, and it becomes pretty clear where you derive more benefit. So please, dear God, ignore Ron DeSantis's abject stupidity coming out of Florida, because it's clear that his political ambitions far outweigh the very real risks being posed to human lives. DeSantis may have decided that it's a smart play to his base to discourage vaccinations, even in the face of overwhelming, clear, objective evidence that they work, but it's the people who listen to him who are going to suffer the consequences. Do not let his ambition take precedence over your right to live.
Before you go, if you enjoyed this video and want to see more, please make sure to subscribe to my channel. You can click the thumbnail right here on this screen. And if you want to support my work even further, the best way is to subscribe to my podcast, No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. There you can check Ain't out my interviews with lie. major players in the world Not of politics, including President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Katie Porter, Jamie Raskin, and Pete so many more. Plus other interviews that live exclusively on the podcast. That link is also right here on this screen, or just search No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen wherever you listen to podcasts yeah after just 21 days my teeth are the So I'm going to um, turn this to tweet this at Brian Tyler Cohen. Okay, good enough. <clears throat> so, let's see what else is going on. Ron Wyden blocks John Kennedy's building. Kennedy responds, I don't jerk off in bars. 29 minutes of Tom Segura. Marjorie Trader Green's arm capital red comments in Kirsten Cinema Switcher. Yeah, we already know that. <clears throat> Pod Save America with John Favreau, who is Obama's former speechwriter. Apparently, Nostradamus effect, cataclysmus, end of human history. 
on the History Channel. One hour ago, Jack Smith, you're up. They've stolen our right to control our own bodies, but we're built for this. Happy Criminal Referral Day. The January yeah. 6th committee nice. met one last time. The band is back and referred Donald Trump to the Department of Justice for criminal prosecution on at least four felony counts. Let's recap what took place during the historic committee hearing on Monday. Former Vice President Mike Pence supports Donald Trump and others who want to kill him and asks the Department of Justice not to prosecute Trump's so here fucking pussy so cowardly and while the January 6th committee has released wow. an executive summary on its findings on Monday and will release its full report this week on Tuesday another congressional committee the House Ways and Means Committee will vote on releasing Trump's tax records to the public Trump is not handling this well at all. Did you hear the story about the MAGA Republican congressman-elect George Santos from Long Island, who just won in the congressional district where Brett and I were born and grew up, whose entire life story and biography and resume, I'm talking everything, his college, his jobs, his charity, the properties he owns, or should I say, doesn't own, everything has now been exposed as a complete lie. This is the Republican Party. And yes, this is the Republican Party that has spent this past week focused on butt plugs and sex toys and porn. This is their new green M&M meets Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss on steroids. We're not making this up. This is like the main issue that Republican leaders are out there talking about in their speeches, on their tweets, everything. We will, I guess, talk about it on this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. And meanwhile, in normal land, American taxpayers are profiting from President Biden, who cut a brilliant deal to refill our strategic petroleum reserves when oil prices are now down after selling some portion of the reserves when oil was at its highest. The simple lessons, folks, it's economics. Buy low, sell high, and never listen to a Republican's advice on anything. This is the Midas Touch Podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by the one and only Brett Micellis. Jordy Micellis is still on a honeymoon. <laughs> he's not on the honeymoon, but Journey's out tonight. But it feels like he's on a professional honeymoon, which is which is great. But oh my gosh, it's such a wave of news. Great to be here with you, Ben. We got so much, so much to discuss. Somebody said that you look like a more put together version of Rick Santorum uh, on this show, but meant that as a compliment that you look good. Who said that? Chat. When did they say that? Like, like in the comments, I just saw it scrolled by, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, I think that sounds like a diss, but I, but I think they meant it in a nice way. I think they were just referring to your outfit with the vest which i think is quite sharp there ben but uh you know you just you're starting to see moving on from that uh you're starting to see um just this stark difference not starting but it's just becoming 
it's reaching a boiling point right now of the difference between people who are living in, let's call it reality, and people who have gaslit or are trying to gaslit the world and have maybe even gaslit themselves into believing an alternate reality. And those lies are finally catching up to them. I think the January 6th committee today did a great job of laying out those lies of laying out the truth, the actual facts of what happened on January 6th, wrapping it up with a nice little bow and delivering it in a box just in time for the holidays to Jack Smith at the Department of Justice. So let's recap. The January 6th committee held its final public hearing today. The committee recapped many of its findings from the previous hearings and emphasized that all roads lead back to Donald Trump setting the foundation for criminal indictments. They played a nearly 12-minute video summarizing key evidence and testimony from its investigation. Don't worry, we're not going to play you the full 12 minutes here, but let's break down some <laughs> of the key portions. For example, where Chair Benny Thompson described how accountability now must come in the criminal justice system. Play the clip. We've never had a president of the United States stir up a violent attempt to block the transfer of power. I believe nearly two years later, this is still a time of reflection and reckoning. If we are to survive as a nation of laws and democracy, this can never happen again. How do we stop it? This committee will lay out a number of recommendations in this final report, but beyond any specific details and recommendations we present, there's one factor I believe is most important in preventing another January 6th, accountability. So today, beyond our findings, we will also show that evidence we've gathered points to further action beyond the power of this committee or the Congress to help ensure accountability under law. Accountability that can only be found in the criminal justice system. Liz Cheney described how Trump watched the insurrection unfold on TV in the dining room of the Oval Office and refused to issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse. Meanwhile, Adam Kinzinger described how acting assistant U.S. Attorney General Jeffrey Clark, Attorney General Jeffrey Clark, met with Trump and GOP Representative Scott Perry on several occasions without authorization, promising to take action at Attorney General Barr, Acting Attorney General Jeff Rosen, and Acting Deputy Attorney General Donahue refused to take. Play the clip. On several occasions, Clark met with the president, apparently along with Representative Scott Perry, without authorization, promising to take the actions that Barr, Rosen, and Donahue had refused to take. In particular, Mr. Clark intended to send a letter that he had drafted with the help of a political appointee that the White House installed at DOJ with just weeks left in the administration. Mr. Clark intended to send the letter to officials in numerous states, informing them falsely, of course, that the department had identified significant concerns about the election results in their state and encouraging their state legislatures to come into special session to consider appointing Trump rather than Biden electors. Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren emphasized how Trump raised hundreds of millions of dollars 
on the big lie amongst his online donors, showing that the January 6th committee, and I think the Department of Justice, are going to be heavily focused on these financial frauds. Play the clip. Ex-President Trump's decision to declare victory falsely on election night wasn't a spontaneous decision. It was premeditated. The committee has evidence that ex-President Trump planned to declare victory and unlawfully to call for the vote counting to stop and that he told numerous allies about his intent in the weeks before the election. The committee found that Mr. Trump raised hundreds of millions of dollars with false representations made to his online donors. The proceeds from this fundraising, we have learned, have been used in ways that we believe are concerning. And then we have Representative Lofgren also talk about witness tampering. I think that was a very important thing to mention here that uh, Donald Trump uh, continued to try to engage in obstruction of the January 6th committee's ability to obtain evidence. And in fact, efforts to provide or offer employment even to witnesses who gave favorable testimony. Play the clip. Some of those funds were used to hire lawyers. We've also obtained evidence of efforts to provide or offer employment to witnesses. For example, one lawyer told a witness the witness could, in certain circumstances, tell the committee that she didn't recall facts when she actually did recall them. That lawyer also did not disclose who was paying for the lawyer's representation, despite questions from the client seeking that information. He told her, quote, we're not telling people where funding is coming from right now. We've learned that a client was offered potential employment that would make her, quote, financially very comfortable as the date of her testimony approached by uh, entities that were apparently linked to Donald Trump and his associates. These offers were withdrawn or didn't materialize as reports of the content of her testimony circulated. The witness believed this was an effort to affect her testimony, and we are concerned that these efforts may have been a strategy to prevent the committee from finding the truth. And this is such the first. Such criminals, sorry. <laughs> They're such criminals. They have to commit the crime. They got to commit more crimes to try to cover up the past crimes. And, you know, you know, Jack Smith is, is no nonsense. And Jack Smith is not going to accept all that stuff. I think the witness tampering and the witness intimidation and including Donald Trump's attacks on Jack Smith via social media is ultimately going to end up playing a large role in the ultimate indictment and prosecution of Donald Trump. I absolutely agree with you. And on Legal AF this weekend, I explained, I said, you can't give Donald Trump and people like that an inch. Because if you give them an inch, they take your throat off. And people like that, they deploy a number of methodologies to try to get what they want. They try to do fear, then they try to beg. It doesn't matter to them because they're so morally and ethically detached from humanity that anything they say, their words don't matter. What they're just trying to, they, they don't care. They don't care how it looks. All they wanna do is wear you down, manipulate you to destroy you because everything they view is through a zero sum game. Their authoritarianism needs to exist and you need to be destroyed. There's no compromise, there's no nothing. 
And you saw that with the Mueller investigation. And frankly, the example I gave this weekend, you know, which is not as serious as the Mueller investigation, it was that ridiculous lawsuit that Donald Trump filed against the Pulitzer group. But but what happened is the Pulitzer board was like, all right, let's do an internal investigation and let's go back and we'll check to determine if the reporting was, you know, sound reporting and met our standards in 2018. And all Trump used that was to extend the statute of limitations and sue them. Now, the case is utterly frivolous. It's going to get dismissed. But you can't do just you have to treat the individual like they're a traitor. You have to treat Trump like he's an absolute traitor, criminal and threat, because that is what he is. And you don't treat him like he has any good faith intentions at all. Zero good faith intentions. The only intention is to destroy our country. And this is a great example of it from today's hearing as well, because this was the first time we've heard from the White House communications director under the Trump administration, Hope Hicks. And in her video testimony, she said that she warned Trump that his legacy was being damaged. You, you, think, you think his legacy wasn't damaged before, but you think that his legacy was being damaged? He has no legacy at all. Trump told her no one would care about his legacy if he lost. And then she also stated that Trump refused a request to ask his supporters to be peaceful. Let's play this clip. The first time we've seen Hope Hicks thus far. And what was Mr. Hirschman's response? Um, Mr. Hirschman said that he had made the same, you know, recommendation directly to the president um, and that he had refused. Just so I understand, Mr. Hirschman said that he had already recommended to the president that the president convey a message that people should be peaceful on January 6th and the president had refused to do that. Yes. Refused to encourage people to be peaceful on January 6th. Here's the text message from the White House Deputy Press Secretary at the time, Hogan Gidley, to Hope Hicks. This is in real time. Hogan writes to Hope, hey, I know you're seeing this, but he really should tweet something. He really should tweet something about being nonviolent. And then Hope Hicks responds, I'm not there. I suggested it several times Monday and Tuesday, and he refused. Those were the text messages that time. That was a, a bit of a blockbuster new piece of information, Brett, don't you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny because the tweets that Donald Trump ultimately did send, which were sometime after 2 p.m. that day, possibly a little later, where he basically reluctantly told people, that it's you must behave peacefully, that you should leave. Those are what his most ardent supporters point to and go, look, he didn't incite an insurrection at all. Look, he's telling them to respect the police. Look, he is telling them to be nice. Yeah, after he incited the insurrection, after the police were already being killed, beaten, having their eyes gouged out, after the Capitol was ransacked, after they smeared feces across the walls and broke into Speaker Pelosi's office and went on the floor of the House, after all that happened and after he got all this pressure from anybody, he sent one tweet or two tweets, and you are trying to act like that's your evidence that absolves him of guilt. It is gaslighting at its worst. It's absolutely sick. The guilt is just so obvious. Everybody knows it. Hope Hicks, not a Democrat. Let me tell you, Hope Hicks, one of the closest people to Donald Trump during that administration, and she saying flat out right there that they tried everything in their power to get Donald Trump 
to call it off, to say to be peaceful, to say to be nonviolent, and instead, what did Trump do? Nothing. He watched it on TV with glee because he loved every single second of it. By the way, in the executive summary, it was a 161-page executive summary. About 120 of those were actual pages. The rest were uh, footnotes, but like big, long footnotes that like really analyze the things. But one of the things that they talked about is a number of individuals who provided um, evasive testimony. Hope Hicks was one of them, but that was one soundbite they were able to get. Other individuals who they said were either not forthcoming or were evasive included Ivanka Trump, OPEX, Kaylee McEnany, and a few others. Um, but that was in the uh, report there. And then we get to the time where we finally get the referrals in the hearing. Um, and Jamie Raskin, who was on the subcommittee that made the recommendations for criminal referrals against Trump, these would be referred to the Department of justice and these criminal referrals against Trump and John Eastman for now. Um, the vote to refer was unanimous. And let's play the video of the announcement of the first referral. In the context of resolving evidentiary privilege issues related to the crime fraud doctrine in the Eastman case, U.S. District Court Judge David Carter examined just a small subset of our evidence to determine whether it showed the likely commission of a federal offense. The judge concluded that both former President Donald Trump and John Eastman likely violated two federal criminal statutes. This is the starting point for our analysis today. The first criminal statute we invoke for referral, therefore, is Title 18, Section 1512C, which makes it unlawful for anyone to corruptly obstruct influence or impede any official proceeding of the United States government. We believe that the evidence described by my colleagues today and assembled throughout our hearings warrants a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violations of this statute. The whole purpose and obvious effect of Trump's scheme were to obstruct, influence, and impede this official proceeding, the central moment for the lawful transfer of power in the United States. The January 6th committee went on to make four uh, referrals, four separate criminal charges referred to the Department of Justice based on Donald Trump's conduct that included obstruction of an official proceeding, which you just heard, 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2 to be specific, conspiracy to defraud the United States, 18 U.S.C. Section 371, conspiracy to make false statements, 18 U.S.C. Section 1001, and inciting, assisting, or aiding and comforting an insurrection, 18 U.S.C. Section 2383. And in addition to those crimes that were referred today, um, the committee left open, there are other potential charges that they may refer and other charges that they will let the Department of Justice take the evidence that they've set forth and to make, you know, its own charges. Look, 
the Department of Justice can do what it wants to do regardless. The Department of Justice is not bound by this. The Department of Justice, if it doesn't want to, doesn't even have to read it. But I think Jack Smith, in his thoughtful, deliberative way, will undoubtedly take a look at this. It is a big deal. This is the first time this has ever happened in our nation's history. I can't emphasize that enough, the historic nature of this. Um, and I think Jack Smith will view this as important and persuasive, but Jack Smith's gonna do what Jack Smith does on his own. In addition to the criminal referrals, four Republicans were referred to the House Ethics Committee and ethical for ethical violations for failure to comply with congressional subpoenas. These Republican members of Congress include Kevin McCarthy, Scott Perry, Jim Jordan, and Andy Biggs. Brett, your overall thought about today's proceeding. Brett, you're on mute. You know, I think it's twofold when you got the proceedings. I think you have first you have the research which is then going to be turned over to the department of justice and i hope that they turn over as much as they can i hope they turn over all of it personally but it seemed like they were going to be turning over specific portions of their research that were specific to the crimes that they were referring i wish they would just give everything over but that's one play but i think the biggest thing about this committee is that this is a committee for public consumption this is the public tv show if you will, that's breaking this down to people. And so, you know, it's funny when you go online and you see people, some people criticizing, you know, Merrick Garland, some people criticizing Jack Smith, some people criticizing the, the January 6th committee, and sometimes they pit one another against each other and they go, Jack Smith and Garland, they're working way too slow. Look at all the stuff the January 6th committee's doing. Look, I saw it. You, you saw the hearing. You saw what they released. They released that video. And it's just the nature of what it is. You have the January 6th committee who is purposefully putting on a public show for, for the American people. And then you have Jack Smith and the Department of Justice who are quietly building their case, having private grand juries established and evidence go through the proper channels. And so it's just the nature of how the law works. One of the things that I was also curious in watching that is we've seen a lot of these seditious conspiracy charges of late. So I was wondering, why wouldn't they refer seditious conspiracy? I still, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. I still don't know 100% why they didn't, but I noticed in the report, thanks to a flag from Kyle Cheney of Politico, that they did mention seditious conspiracy in that 161 page report. They said the Department of Justice, through its investigative tools that exceed those of this committee, may have evidence sufficient to prosecute Trump under sections 372 and 2384. Accordingly, we believe sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of Trump under those two statutes. So it seems like they basically said, hey, Department of Justice, we think that you have enough evidence to proceed here. We're not necessarily gonna put our finger on the scale there, but balls in your court, I think you guys could take it from here. What do you think about that one? I agree. And I think that they didn't do the seditious conspiracy because I think they went for the more direct one, which was on insurrection, because it simply has just the giving aid and comfort to one, which doesn't actually require um, the like the declaration of war against the United States, which is, you know, or rebellion against the United States. It doesn't require that intent element per se, but it's like, did you provide safe harbor?
to those people. And that is the insurrection. that I referenced above, um, which is the 18 U.S.C. 2383 charge. It's a little bit of a oversimplification, but I think that they're saying, look, to Brett, to your point, they laid out the evidence. They're saying, here are the ones that we feel very confident above and Department of Justice. It's really a compromise, if you will, Brett, right? Because I think they want to give the Department of Justice its autonomy as well if the DOJ wants to bring those charges and not just kind of step on it as well because a lot of people were saying well if they make all of these charges you know is it going to be overly political so rather than i think list and showboat they probably could have listed 50 charges yeah absolutely and it's funny because there was such a debate over should they do charges should they not do charges of course they should and they should absolutely not it's going to politicize it and at the end of the day i'm not sure there is like a a right decision there but in, in my mind You've gone through all these steps. You've had 10 plus hearings, 11 if you count the original one that was way back when, um, when the officers spoke. Uh, you want to ultimately deliver something, I think. You want, you want to have a conclusion. And I think the crimes here are so clear that I think it was the right decision to make these criminal referrals. But I, you know, if I'm being totally candid and honest, if they didn't make criminal referrals, I wouldn't have cared either. Like I, I really, so, so I, I strongly disagree with, with you there. I would have cared a lot, and I think you would have cared a lot. And, and let, me said explain to you, let me explain to you why. It goes back to what I said before. If you give Donald Trump an inch, he takes your throat. So the moment you don't make the criminal referral, what does he say? Exactly what he said in the Mueller report. He goes, they didn't make, they went through this whole process. I vindicated. They made no criminal referrals at all. I'm innocent. And you and most rational people would say that's not what they did. And he would say they had all the evidence. They went through 10 weeks. They wasted all the taxpayer money and they found nothing. I'm 100 percent innocent. He would have said that right away. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent because that's absolutely 100 percent how that would have done. That. And that's yeah, why yeah. I think the, ultimately the January 6th committee, when you weigh it and ultimately someone makes the argument in the room that I just made, you can't counter that argument. It, it's impossible. You know, and you have you have to do it because he's such a thug criminal traitor. It's you're, so right. you're, 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 you're so right. Buddy. You're so right. 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 And, 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 <laughs> I, I convinced you like that. Okay. So let's talk about Mike Pence. So before today's January 6th committee hearing, Mike Pence goes on Fox. And let's just play the video of Mike Pence before I just say specifically what he said. Play it. You don't want to tease it up here? I don't want to tease it up. I just want to show it. I'm purposely delaying so I can find oh, it. <laughs> it's, well, it's it's that pathetic that I just want to show it. But um, one of the things that Penn says is he hopes that the Department of Justice 
will not bring charges against Trump. And he said is that while I think what Trump did was reckless, he goes, you know, I, I don't think it's a crime. I don't think it's a crime to get bad advice from lawyers. I don't think it's a crime. So I, I think it would be doing a big misservice. <laughs> I love the impression. Sure, All right, I got the clip. Let's play it. Okay. Um, but when it comes to the Justice Department's decision about about um, about bringing charges in the future, I, I would hope that they would not bring charges against the former president. I, I don't look. I as I wrote in my book, I think the president's actions and words on January 6 were reckless. Um, but I don't know that it's criminal. it's criminal to got take it. bad advice from lawyers and. Uh, Lawyer here, it is criminal. It is criminal. <laughs> what are you talking about? If a lawyer told you go murder someone, and then you murdered someone, you can't get the go. My lawyer told me. To, my lawyer told me to do it. It's 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 my lawyer who said murder the person, and I just I did it. I killed the person. Now, the lawyer should be charged also, but the lawyer doesn't make you innocent. And this is like whole. This is like Pence's whole thing too, like where he's promoting the book. I mean, he's like. He does that weird, like, breath thing that he does, where it's like, you know, as I said in my book, that you can buy for $19.99. He advertised the book. He used it as an opportunity to advertise his book. So as I said in my book, the, con the conduct at issue is reckless. It's definitely reckless. But is it criminal? What I mean by that? Telling someone to murder me, and then the person tries to murder me and hang me. Are you asking me, is it criminal? Let me ask you this question. Did his lawyer tell him to do it? Because if his lawyer told him to do it, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm a conservative first. I'm a Christian second. You know, Jake, I'm a Republican third. And so were they Republicans who wanted to kill me? Because if they were Republicans and their lawyer told them it was okay, I'm going to give them a pass on this one, Jake. Do we have the clip where he actually did? Where, so, so I think we, there was a town hall, and I hope we have the clip this time, Brett, where Jake Tapper was holding this town hall and seen it. But I could have showed you, like, this was his whole line that he did on all of his interviews. So this one just happened to be on Jake Tapper, where whenever he's asked, so why'd you support the election deniers who wanted to kill you? Like these people called for you to die and then they like tried to kill you. Why do you support him? And he goes, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a conservative <laughs> and I'm a Republican. So even if you don't do things that are Christian-like, or conservative or Republican. Pretty if you tell me they are, got no friends, then you can get past. play the clip. Well, you know, I've often said I'm a Christian and conservative and Republican in that order. But I'm a Republican. And once Republican primary voters have chosen their nominees. Okay. Who does Mike Pence appeal to? I, I, tr I still do not understand. American Rose. Did you hear the great news? <laughs> the other great news. I mean, this is it. Is it? 
<laughs> hey man, did they they made him even smaller, huh? <laughs> they made him even did smaller. They, <laughs> look, they cut down on the size. Well, <laughs> even more. You set your heart on something. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I ain't complaining though. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Look how tiny they are. Yeah. Look, it's smaller now. <laughs> huh, even smaller. Um. <laughs> They're like half size. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I remember when they first got them, they were like whoppers. Right? Mm. Even the whoppers aren't whoppers anymore. Mm. Yeah, they don't taste the same. I mean, the whoppers. They don't taste the same either. Mm -hmm. McDonald's food tastes like plastic. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. Indeed. I heard a rumor that there's ground up people in that meat. Why is that? It's an internet rumor that uh, <laughs> the owners of McDonald's and Burger King are not Jewish and they lure um, underage teenage girls to work for them and they, they investigate them and they find out the ones that the parents aren't looking for them and they, uh, they use them in rituals, you know. And, they kill them and they put them in a meat grinder. Hmm. It's like Crazy. revenge for what the Gentiles did to the Jews you know, under Hitler. Hmm. No shit. Yeah. Apparently there's, there's good Jewish people and there's satanic Jewish people. And the satanic ones are the ones that own the big companies and the Hollywood, and they're very, uh, Luciferian, the ceremonies and Luciferian ceremonies and things like that. Yeah, <clears throat> I heard about how there's just one church that, or Church of Satan, whatever, that in L.A., I even, you know, I heard the name of it, I don't remember what it is now, but every year they apparently sacrifice a child for Halloween. So it's like, well, if this information is out there, how come they don't fucking stop it? Yeah, really, they probably hail that. <laughs> it's no 